You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I've gone back and I've looked this past week at both Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Jaden McDaniels, two guys that were hits in their respective drafts. There are a lot of misses every year, a lot of guys that bust out of the NBA, but those guys were hits. And what made them successful, what made them hits in the NBA draft, what makes them such good players, and what have I learned from looking at their case studies that I think, frankly, I think I can use in the future to become a better evaluator, a better scout. And let's just be honest, SGA and Jade McDaniels are very interesting players. There's a lot to take away from those guys. You are locked on the NBA draft. My name is Sam Ferris. I am your host today. And I'm very excited today to talk about a little bit of a different topic where today I am going to look at two case studies. Like I hinted at in the preview, I'm going to look at two guys that have, I would say they, you can classify them as hits in the NBA draft over the last five years. The first guy, the main guy that I'm going to look at is Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and the second guy is Jaden McDaniels. So obviously, they're, like I said, there are guys that miss every year that we that we do miss on and evaluate incorrectly, and they just they don't live up to our expectations. That's normal. That happens. But I'm excited today because I have spent a bit of time going back, re-watching some of their college film. I've watched a lot of film on these guys from this past season in the NBA as well. And of course, I always love to dive into the numbers as well. So I've got five points on Shea Gilgis Alexander and another three points from Jaden McDaniels on specific things that I've learned about scouting and evaluating for the NBA draft that I think I have learned from them. And I'm excited to share that in this episode. But first, this episode is sponsored by Wednesdays on the Lockdown NBA. It is small market meets big market Wednesdays on the Lockdown NBA podcast. Join Jake Madison of the Lockdown Pels podcast and John Corrales of Locked On Celtics for a look at the NBA week from all angles. Follow the Locked On NBA podcast today on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. So like I said, just like everybody else, honestly, probably more than everybody else, I have missed on a lot of guys when evaluating for the draft. Uh, Josh Jackson was a guy that I did prefer over Jason Tatum for one recent example. Even a few years ago, I preferred or I thought Killian Hayes was the better prospect over LaMelo Ball. So I miss on a lot of stuff and I'm learning all the time. But SGA and Jaden McDaniels were two guys that I hit on and was right about in the draft. But even though I was higher on those guys than the consensus at the time, There are still even more things that I learn, you know, specifically about them, but also just about the draft in evaluating and doing this process in general. So like I said, I've gone back and watched a lot of film. I had watched the film on these guys in the first place, and I've done a lot of kind of deep dive stat stuff. So I'm going to share some of all of that today, Um, but I've got it, like I said, broken out 
into bullet points uh, and I've kind of named the different things that I've learned from each of these guys. So we'll start with Shea Gillagis Alexander, one of my favorite players just to watch in the NBA, such a unique player. I've got five items that I've written down that I think I've learned about scouting from SGA. We'll start at the top here. And to me, um, one of the more interesting topics is I've learned from him and from other guys as well, but there are different types of athleticism. So something that I've learned recently is that evaluating athleticism is harder than you'd actually think, at least for me, except of course, in the extremes, there are the crazy athletes like the Jalen Greens, the Zach Levines, the LeBron James, and on the other side, like the Luca Garza, etc. cetera. Uh, but in the middle, it, it is, it can be harder to evaluate. And to me, that is because oftentimes we do just use a blanket term like athleticism to cover something that has a lot of different parts because the way that a guy, for example, the way a guy moves laterally is very different than the way a guy jumps or how fast he runs. And that's without really even getting into the strength aspect or getting into how functional each subsection of or part of athleticism really is. So what I've learned with SGA is that a spe one specific aspect or subsection of athleticism that I call deceleration or the ability to stop quickly is very important for offensive players in the NBA. I would even argue for a lot of guys offensively, the ability to stop quickly is actually more important than the ability to start quickly. So when you think of deceleration on an NBA floor, you think of guys that can just stop on a dime and get into their pull-up jump shot, but also just the ability to stop and change directions off the dribble quickly and the ability to get into step back jumpers is also a branch off of this deceleration in my opinion. So the masters of this in the NBA are guys like Luka Doncic and James Harden. Those are the two guys you think of. They, they're impossible to stay in front of, even though you might not say that they have like the best, you know, quote unquote athleticism or speed, but that's because they have this tool of deceleration, this subsection of athleticism, where they can stop and get into a pull-up so quickly, they can stop and change directions with ball in hand, again, very quickly, and they are elite at stopping and getting into the step-back jump shot as well. So SGA, Shea Gilgis Alexander, is in that group of having that ability to stop quickly in that deceleration, which has helped him become one of the best on-ball scorers in the NBA. And the stats back that up. I've like I knew Shea Gilgis Alexander was good, but getting into the stats, it's frankly absurd just how good this guy has been offensively. To me, I think he's the most underrated young star in the NBA. I think he's a top 20 player in the NBA next season. So kind of a stat to back up this deceleration, uh, this ability to stop quickly on the offensive side of the ball that I think he really, really has. So 
80% of Shea Gilgis Alexander's threes are self-created. That's basically as much as anybody in the NBA. I think Dame Lillard is right at near 80% as well. Yet, even though he's self-creating all four-fifths of his threes, basically almost all of them are off the bounce that he creates himself. Yet at the same time, 85% of SGA's threes are classified by NBA.com's tracking data. 85% are classified as either open or wide open. So even though he's creating all his own shots off the dribble, he is such a good space and self-creator offensively that he's getting almost purely wide open or open looks from three. So that goes to show that this guy can create so much space off the bounce. And a lot of that is because of this unique deceleration that guys like, again, Shea has, Luca and Harden are the masters. And I think SGA is just behind those two guys. So number two, the second thing that I have learned with SGA is that positional size does matter a lot. SGA is a lead ball handler. You could classify him as a point guard. Whatever you want to call him, he is big for his position. He measured at six foot seven with a seven, uh, with a 6'11 wingspan. So, you know, just to be frank, if he were 6'2 or 6'3, he probably would just not be able to do a lot of what he does at six foot seven. Um, as an evaluator, as a guy that watches a lot of film, I like to dig for the deep stuff in people's games. I love to see the feel that guys have, the passing. But I mean, when it comes down to it, in the end, basketball is a sport for tall people. And the taller you are for the role or the position you play, generally the better off you are and you know over the last six to eight years we have seen kind of this uprise of small ball and small ball lineups are generally better but they're not better just inherently because they're smaller players on the floor what i always like to say is they're better because there's more skilled players on the floor so the benefit is not taking off the height it's adding the skill level and the feel to the game so you know still the best cross section of a player you can get is great size and physical tools plus great skill that's still the best combination you can get and size still dominates size still matters you think of most of the best players in the nba they're either the most uniquely skilled players ever like a steph or they're the bigger wings like a lebron or a luca or Kawhi or they're the seven footers like Jokic or Embiid. Okay, moving on to number three. The third thing that I learned looking back at SGA is that when you do your scouting and you're looking at stats, especially over a smaller sample size, volume is a better indicator than efficiency. Uh, this is something we talk a lot about when looking at jump shots because like I've said before, you need almost a thousand three-point attempts to really uh, to really get a sample size that you can bank on and really take a lot out of. And that's just not something we get with the with a college sample. Not many guys take a thousand threes in college. So the best indicator of how well a guy is going to translate is the volume that they get off, and that is that. Uh, that correlates to both three-point shooting, 
to mid-range shooting and also at the basket. Uh, a lot of people that I talk to love looking at how many unassisted rim attempts a college guard can get because that is a good indicator of how good their handle is, how good athletically they are, and just that knack that they have to get to the basket. And so when you're looking at SGA's stats in college, you might look at his percentage that he made on layups. He only made 59%. You know, 59% is not bad at all, but it's not insane. There's guys that often shoot in the 60s, maybe even at the in the 70% at the rim. So he was just 59%. So just looking at that, taking that fa- face value, you might have said, you know, that's not great. Maybe he's not a great rim finisher, but the dude took like six or seven attempts at the rim per game. And just like he's doing now in the NBA where everything is self-created, the same was in college. I think only 10 or 11% of his layups were assisted. The dude just at will got to the basket on his own accord and had insane finishing craft. So this is where you kind of have to balance the numbers and the eye test because if you're watching the film of SGA in college, the dude just got to the rim and had insane finishing craft with different types of finishes contorting his body. And so, yeah, look, you do have to balance both the eye test with the, with the numbers. You have to incorporate both things. And so I think that's just interesting to take into account with, especially with a small sample, you got to go volume over efficiency. Of course, you don't want to see terrible efficiency. There is still some balance you need to do. But I think it does make sense if you think about it. In college, there's less space. And so if a guy like SGA could get to the rim as often as he did, even though not every shot went in, even though you would have liked to have seen him finish over 60% at the rim, just the fact that he got there as often as he did by himself without being assisted, that's a huge indicator that he was going to become one of the best rim finishers in the NBA. And that's what he's done. One of the best slashers gets to the rim at will and he's just got that slithery athleticism, become one of the best slashers in the NBA. So we got to get into a break now, but coming up next, there are two other exciting things I think that I've learned and have taken away from Shea Gilgis Alexander. But first, let's get into a break. Hey guys, so there are a few things in life that just are not that fun to talk about. One of them is excessive sweating. You know, when you're just sweating through your shirt for some, for no reason, really, like you, you might be giving a a speech or you might be at work or you might be out just on a walk, whatever it is. Uh, It just happens sometimes, right? And it's pretty embarrassing. Thankfully, there is this new brand that I have discovered. It's called Sweatblock. And I've discovered it because they sponsor our show, obviously. They've sent me all of their supplies. And the cool thing is that you you don't even need to use it every day. If you just use it like every other day, really only three, two, three times a week, it will keep you sweat free. And that has been awesome for me. It has completely worked. My wife says it smells very good too. So I know a lot of us go through these issues at times or know somebody who does. So I would really recommend this product. It's called Sweat Block. 
So if you or someone you love is dealing with this, go ahead and check out Sweatblock. You can get it 20% off again at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on or at Amazon or CVS. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch a game live, another device to see the highlights and check social media, and another device to stream your favorite shows on Netflix or Amazon Prime, Hulu. But however you have it, a lot of us do just use so many different devices and it can become a clutter. It can become a bit annoying. Well, I've got a way and it's pretty simple to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle in one spot and that's called direct tv stream no more juggling remotes no need to buy another device ever again and that's the best part also there is no annual contract which is huge too so get rid of the clutter and confusion get your tv together with direct tv stream you can learn more at directtv.com all right so let's get into into point four and point five from SGA. Again, we're revisiting the things that I have learned and taken away that I think I can use in the future when scouting and evaluating guys for the NBA draft. SGA has become a huge hit to me. Like I said, he's going to become a top 15 player in the NBA. He might already be the best guy in the NBA right now that has not made an all-star game, and I think he's going to make one next year. So the first three things that I covered in the first section were that we often view athleticism as just this blanket term for a lot of different things that comprise athleticism. But there's one special attribute that SGA does really well, and that's called deceleration. James Harden and Luca also are the masters at that. The second thing I learned is positional size still does matter a lot. And SGA has that. He's six foot seven with the six eleven wingspan. The third thing that I mentioned was when scouting and when you're looking at stats and prepping for the NBA draft, especially over a smaller sample size, it is better to look at volume than it is to look at efficiency. And I, I looked at that specifically through the lens of finishing at the rim, something that SGA has always been very good at. And it's really, really translated to the NBA. Okay, so the fourth point I have is, I think this is interesting. If you have one elite skill, you can often leverage that skill to open up other aspects of your game. However, you have to have the necessary foundation of tools to be able to unlock those other aspects of your game. So for example, usually we think of guys that have one elite skill Like the one we think of usually is guys that have an elite jump shot. The problem is that a lot, you know, I'd say most of the guys that have an elite jump shot tend to not have the necessary other tools to unlock aspects of their games. But there are many that are, you know, we'll start with the most obvious example, Steph Curry, who's the best jump shooter of all time. He really leverages his jump shot to get wherever he wants on the court. And because of that, he can get to the rim at will, and he's one of the best guard finishers at the rim ever. Uh, so that's one example. But there are a lot of guys that are they're just shooters but can't really dribble well enough or just don't have the finishing ability to take advantage to unlock other aspects of their game. But SGA had that elite skill, which was his slashing, his ability to, to get to the rim. 
And he's been able to leverage that to become elite in other aspects. So he's kind of the almost, almost the opposite of Steph Curry, where Steph uses the threat of his jump shot to leverage that into, oh, look, yeah, I can shoot from 35 feet out. You better come out and guard me. Then the defender has to close out so far and guard him so close that he, he's got uh, lanes to get to the rim and get to the mid-range at will. Not the best athlete, but he utilizes his craft and the threat of his jumper. Well, SGA is kind of similar, but in the opposite way, where he uses the threat of his drive, the threat of his finishing, and the threat of his dribble to get a ton of space to get jump shots off. So if you remember, like I, I stated this stat at the beginning where four-fifths of his threes are self-created, yet somehow 85% of them are wide open or either open or wide open. A lot of that I talked about was his ability just to create space off the bounce. But if you actually watch the film, like whenever a big gets switched on to SGA, they give him so much room. When he comes off a screen, they give him so much room to shoot. And that's because people are terrified of his ability to get to the rim and to finish. And so kind of the opposite of Steph Curry where Steph uses and leverages his jumper SGA leverages his driving ability to get wide open jump shots. And yeah, like five, six, seven years ago, who would have ever guessed that SGA would basically become a better shooter in the NBA than Devin Booker and Bradley Beal? That, that's just not something we could have predicted. Like who, nobody would have guessed that. But because of the threat of one elite skill, which was his finish and his craft slashing ability around the rim, he leverages that. And I think it's interesting because oftentimes we think of gravity as, you know, how well can a guy shoot off the ball? We think of gravity opening space for your teammates, right? By being able to spot up in the corner and the defense respects you. Well, gravity also corresponds to you specifically on the ball. Because again, to go back to Steph, he has so much gravity as a pull-up shooter that guys have to close out on him and guard him so closely that the threat of his jumper again opens up so much. So gravity works for him on the ball in the sense that he pulls defenders so close to him that he can get by them so easily. Well, it's kind of similar again with SGA where the gravity of his ability to get to the rim pulls defenders away from him and opens up this these open jumpers for, for SGA. Uh, and so he's just become an elite shooter. He's become basically one of the best self-creating on-ball guards in the NBA. Like I said, 80% of his threes are self-created. And this was crazy to me because I would have guessed Dame or like Kemba, like somebody else would have been, had the least percentage of their shots assisted in other words they were creating all their own shots on themselves well it's actually SGA and for him to be creating all this offense on his own and be that efficient is just crazy and he he's reached a level that we didn't even expect and again my point there was having that elite skill of slashing and finishing at the rim he's had the tools where he can expand that and leverage that elite skill to become great in other aspects as well. Okay, so 
Let's get into the final thing that I've written down here in my notes that I have learned about SGA and I can use when scouting for the future. I don't have like a great title on this one yet, but my point is that I want to see my potential lead guards, my potential on-ball playmakers. I like to see them try stuff and I like to see them be assertive. I like to see that creativeness, that outside of the boxness, whatever you want to term, whatever term you want to use, whatever you want to call that. I need to see that because there are certain guys where you'll see them, whatever they're, wherever they're playing internationally in college and high school, where they've been coached really well. They're very smart. They're calculated and they, they just make the right play every time. You know, whether it's coming out of pick and roll, they'll make the right read and they'll make the pass. Well, yeah, that's great. But at some point, I need to see the special because just reacting to the defense, there's there's a cap just to how effective that can really be. And so on top of just how effective you can be simply by reacting, I do believe after going back, collecting my thoughts, re-watching a lot of guys, one of my core beliefs about evaluating on-ball potential playmakers is I just need to see a bit more than that. I don't really, frankly, care if there's a lot of turnovers earlier in your career. I just want to see you try stuff. I want to see the special and trying stuff. That stuff can be different for different people, whether that means pulling up from 35 feet, whether that means throwing a live dribble pass with your left hand across your body and across the court, whether that means trying just ridiculous passes out of pick and roll, whether that means just insane double clutch finishes. Um, there are different ways that this can manifest itself. But if a guy is simply just making the right play and never really doing something special, never really showing me that stuff, I, I just want to see more than that. And so whether you want to call that trying stuff, whether you want to say being assertive, uh, playing outside the box, whatever you want to term that, I have come to believe that that's very important because when I see a guy try something difficult, that means that it means three things. It means number one, they're willing and they're willing to live with kind of the repercussions of whatever happens. Number two, it means they're probably capable of doing that special thing. And number three, it means they're self-confident in themselves and they're willing to try that. They're willing to try more and more. They really, really believe in themselves. And that's just so important with a potential on-ball guy, a potential star offensive player. And so that to me is the fifth thing that I've learned with Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He was not a guy that just simply made the right read out of pick and roll. He wasn't just doing what his coach did. He tried stuff, whether it was, again, like swing passes with his left hand out of pick and roll, whether it was crazy pull-ups off the bounce, whether it was like these double clutch, same side, same hand layup. There was just stuff that was special with him that most guys probably wouldn't even try. And he just had a special knack for trying them and always had the bandwidth or the willingness to try that. So to me, that one, there's no way to really quantify that. It's just something you got to watch and you got to see that you just can't become a star player in the NBA by being safe, 
by just kind of playing your role. And I want to see these guys try more than that. And I really, I saw that with SGA and, and that always caught my eye with him. So that finishes the topic and the five things that I've learned with SGA. And we're going to get into my second guy, Jaden McDaniels. Uh, I'll do one of the four things that I learned from him and then we'll get into another break. The first thing that I learned with him is, and this is kind of in general, just about the NBA draft is the draft is about balancing risk with upside. And when I think about the draft over the last five, six years, every year there has been a guy that has insane talent and athleticism that was viewed as a great prospect, but just drops far in the draft because of either an injury risk or because of potential like off court or intangible concerns. We saw that with Kevin Porter Jr. We saw that with Jalen Johnson. We saw it with Jaden McDaniels. And the main guy that I think of that we saw it with was Michael Porter Jr. Right? So we saw those guys fall way too far. It's happened basically now every draft for the past four or five drafts. I've talked about this before, but in every draft, there are only 20 guys that end up making it at all in the NBA. And from every draft class, there's like three or four that make, on average, make multiple all-star games. So I would argue that from every class, there's like six to 10 guys that actually really even matter that move the needle at all for NBA teams. And so I just feel like teams, a lot of teams just don't do a good job of managing risk because we like not not we I'm not a GM but a lot of GMs gamble on these crazy upside projects whereas there's guys that have this obvious talent but the only concern is either injuries or off the court stuff and of course I'm not saying that there are are not guys that do have legitimate character concerns if I see guys that actually have issues with the law for example then I definitely factor that in but I would just way rather bet on a guy that I know has legitimate upside, legitimate talent, and has proven it in guys like Porter Jr., Jalen Johnson, Jade McDaniels, Michael Porter Jr. Like, what are we doing drafting Jerome Robinson before a guy like that? Just a guy that just doesn't even have that level of talent, that level of upside. And I know we don't know everybody's upside. Like, to a certain extent, it is a crapshoot. But with these guys specifically, we, like coming out of high school, they were legitimate prospects. And I think sometimes we just overreact and we, again, not to use we, I'm not a GM, but some people, and I, I do make mistakes too. So I'm not saying I'm perfect and they are not, but I just don't think that those guys are doing a good job balancing the risk and upside when you clearly have the evidence that these guys have the talent. I, I just think that is... I think that's an area where teams can get a lot better quickly. I guess you could say some low-hanging fruit where teams can improve is just stop worrying quite so much about injuries and off-the-court concerns when you know the talent level is there. The opportunity cost past like number eight in the draft is just not worth it to pass on those guys at a certain point. And yeah, it's still early in Jaden McDaniels, Jalen Johnson, Kevin Porter Jr.'s careers. 
but without a doubt, unquestionably, those guys are top 10 talents in their class, and they've proven it already. I guess you could say Jalen Johnson's only played summer league, but to me, it's pretty clear he's a top 10 talent in the NBA. Same with Jade McDaniels. I would have taken him much higher. I think people tend to overreact to guys that we have very high hopes for when they don't play as well as we hoped. We tend to say, oh, those guys suck. Those guys were awful. Whereas when you actually dig in and look at the stats, look at the numbers, like Jalen Johnson, Jaden McDaniels, Kevin Porter Jr., they didn't play as well as we had hoped, but there were still a lot of positive signs. And so that's something that I'm always going to look for in the future as well is don't let these guys where you know they have great physical tools and talent drop. Don't overreact to them having poor seasons in college. It's probably better than expected. And that was the case with all of these guys. But uh, I'll finish up my thoughts on Jaden McDaniels. But first, let's get into a break here. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. I talk about it every week on my show. I don't like protein bars outside of Built Bar. But just the amount of choices of flavors you have is awesome. You got coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, salted caramel, orange, cookies and cream. Whatever kind of flavor you like, you can try it. They're also 100% covered in chocolate, which is awesome. But on top of the flavors and the taste, they are also very healthy. Only 4 to 5 grams of sugar and net carbs. Calories ranging from 130 to 180. They can help you lose or maintain weight. So... Go ahead and go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off. Again, LOCKED15 for 15% off at builtbar.com and get yourself some of these awesome built bars. Yes, it is that time of year again. The eyes are all now turning back to football. I also am very excited for especially the NFL season to start. I'm a big fantasy guy. But also, Bet Online is the number one spot for all pro and college football action this season, including coming up in the next few weekends. So you can head to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports, from football to basketball, boxing, even right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the great offers for the 22-2021 season. Again, that's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so I got three more items that I want to cover. Again, relating to Jaden McDaniels that I've learned from him that I'm going to continue to use in my evaluations moving forward. I just think this is a fun topic because I enjoy watching these guys' tape. I've gone back and watched some of their stuff in college some of my favorite players to watch in the NBA. And I've posted a lot of threads and clips on these guys on Twitter as I've gone through and done this process. And even though I would argue that I was right about these guys, there is always stuff that I want to learn. And that's not to say I'm not going to miss a lot in the future, but I just want to be the person that's always learning. And to me, that's kind of the funnest part of all this. So the first thing that I covered with Jaden McDaniels was just about balancing risk with upside in the NBA draft that we should stop that. I would again, stop using. We, I would advocate that guys like KPJ, Jalen Johnson, Jade McDaniels and Michael Porter jr. 
those guys are just too talented to let fall too far. After a certain part of the draft, the opportunity cost just isn't there. I would take those guys higher. I think we're going to see teams start to be better with that uh, coming up in the future. The second thing here with Jaden McDaniels is that context matters a lot. And seeing guys in multiple contexts is very helpful. If you can do that as an evaluator, I would always advocate for that. Because frankly, Jaden McDaniels, he was a little bit more impressive in high school and in AAU than he was at UW. But there's always reasons for that. At UW, his point guard, Quade Green, missed most of the year that year. They didn't have anybody to set up Jaden McDaniels. He, he was asked to do too much at times. He wasn't ready to just self-create all the time. Like he is better as right now, early on in his career at shooting open shots, attacking off the bounce, and just being a great defensive player that he was, that he is, excuse me. And he was at UW as well. So he didn't have anyone to really set him up. And also at UW, they played a ton of zone which did mask how good he was defensively. And this is where you have to do your homework because to me, there was one game where all season where they played a lot of man-to-man defense and it was against Ball State. So a lot of people might not have watched that, but if you did, he was awesome. He was awesome defensively. They had him pressing guys full court. He was flying around. The way that he can navigate screens at his size was just awesome to see just a complete menace. And so that gave you a good idea, even though we didn't get to see him play much man defense, that he could do it very, very well. And so context does just matter with guys. If you can see them in multiple contexts, it's worth doing it. And that was something that I learned about factoring in with guys. Obviously, I know it and I knew it, but it's just, it's good to re-hit on some of these points that context does matter you got to bake that in. And with him, I think that was very important, especially again with Jaden McDaniels. All right. So final two points with Jaden McDaniels here. Number one, length to me is the most important determinant of how well defense for a prospect will translate from college or international, wherever they are, to the NBA. I do think in the past that I would overrate guys that were just a little bit smaller. I've used Isaac Okoro's example a lot. I thought he, I talked about him as if he were the guy that you could put on a Giannis or a LeBron or a Kawhi. And frankly, it's just turned out to be that that's not, I don't believe that's the case. I do think Isaac Okoro is and will become a very good defensive player in the NBA but I don't think he's going to be quite as valuable as a guy like Jaden McDaniels because Okoro is more of a, a point guard, shooting guard, defender who can guard maybe smaller or less effective small forwards, but he's more of a one, two, maybe two, three defender. And look, when you look at the composition of the NBA, most, <clears throat> most of the best players are, again, these big wings, the Luka, Kawhi, LeBron, Giannis. You need size to check those guys, and you also need size to cover ground off the ball, two things that Jaden McDaniels does spectacularly well. He, he He's a great weak side rim protector, 
And just how many guys are there that are his size that can guard on the ball as well as he does, but also protect the rim as a weak side wing? You just aren't going to find many of those guys. Those are so valuable. They really make it easier in terms of kind of structuring and putting together a good defense around them because they can do, they can fulfill multiple roles and responsibilities defensively. It's just rare to find, and he does that well. So again, there are a lot of things that are important defensively. How well they get through screens is very important in the NBA. How quick you are, how strong you are. Uh, just the defensive numbers, you can look at on-off stuff. You can look at how just how much a guy tries is frankly very important defensively. But to me still, length in the NBA is easiest to use in terms of projecting because we see a lot of teenagers that don't try hard enough in college or in high school or internationally. They come over, they put in more effort like a Ben Simmons and they're all NBA defenders. But guess what he always had? He always had good instincts, but he also had very good physical tools. So that's kind of my point there. All right, last point on Jaden McDaniels is, and this is similar to what I said about SGA earlier where I wanted to see my lead ball handler try stuff. I wanted to see him be assertive and do some stuff outside of the box. Well, my point here with Jaden McDaniels is I just want to know what a prospect has that cannot be taught. Again, earlier, right before this, I talked about the length defensively. Well, if you have a chance to see Jaden McDaniels in person, and I got to see him at Summer League, I think I've mentioned this before. There were a few guys that that were just different athletically, physically in person than even seeing them on screen. I knew, yeah, I knew Jaden McDaniels was huge. I knew he moved really well, but seeing him in person, the dude is just so tall. And for guys that size, he frankly just moves different. The guy glides out there. That's kind of the term that I like to use. Yeah, it's just different. Uh, there were two other guys that really stood out to me in summer league, just just to share my thoughts. It was Jalen Johnson just because of, again, the the combination of size and athleticism was different than everybody else. And then Jalen Green to me is just a nuclear athlete that could be, could potentially be, if he adds a bit of strength, the best athlete in the NBA. So again, I want to ask, what does this guy have that cannot be taught? Because by definition, things like passing, intangibles, shooting especially. Like there's a lot of things you can teach. And yeah, some guys never learn it. Some guys never get good enough at it. Some guys just can't quite implement it in real games. But you certainly cannot teach a 7-2 wingspan. You can't teach elite athleticism. Guys can get better athletes, but guys' arms generally aren't going to grow that much. Guys generally aren't going to become the type of athlete, the type of mover that Jaden McDaniels is. So again, just show me what does he have that cannot be taught because that to me is what you need to see first when evaluating these guys. So those are the four points. Again, just to summarize with Jaden McDaniels, the draft is all about balancing risk and upside. I would not pass on guys that I know are talented like we've seen happen with Michael Porter Jr., Jaden McDaniels, Jalen Johnson, and Kevin Porter Jr., Second point, context matters when evaluating. It affected Jaden McDaniels at UW, and it affects every guy that you scout. Number three, 
length to me is the most important determinant or or indicator of how well defense translates for a prospect to the NBA. And finally with Jaden, what I learned that I need to see what can a guy do that frankly just cannot be taught. You can't teach Jaden McDaniels physical tools or frankly the skill level that he had from a young age at that size. Obviously guys always work on their skill set, but it's just really rare to see a guy with that combination of physical tools and solid skill level and foundation at that size. So I've really had a ton of fun going back through this, seeing what I've learned, and I love watching film, so I'm frankly always doing it, but it's fun to see it through the lens of the NBA as well, to go and watch Shea Gillis Alexander, to go and watch Jaden McDaniels, two guys that are gonna be studs uh, for years to come. And those are the things that I've learned. I'm always trying to learn and get better because frankly, I make a lot of mistakes. I know other people do, but I feel like I've got even more room to learn than most people. So that's what I like to do. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this, listening to me talk about Jaden McDaniels, talk about SGA. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. If you guys ever had episode topics to suggest, please let me know. I'm always posting clips stats, my thoughts. You can follow me at Draft Dummies on Twitter. So thank you listeners again for tuning in. Betting on the NBA or the NFL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favored picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcast.